Thank you so much, Pastor. Thank you so much, Sister Mir. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I am, despite my shakiness and nerves, excited to be here. I'm so grateful that God has seen it fit to have me here this morning on this side of the earth, that I can use my voice to give him thanks and to talk about his faithfulness. So thank you so much for having me and welcome everybody. This morning, Sister Anne read our scripture and it's a, I, my presentation is quite interesting because we won't even get to those scriptures until at least at least the middle of the presentation. So just bear in mind our, 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 our scriptures and that's more for us uh, as we meditate on the faithfulness of God than, than, than it is uh, anything else. So this morning, I want us to know that our God is faithful. Whatever he says he will do, he will do. Always. He's not a man that he should lie. He never goes back on his word. And so according, we, we, we get into faithfulness, we get into definitions, and we, we get into why we say and understand that God is faithful. According to the Mer Merriam-Webster Dictionary, faith is defined as a belief and a trust in and loyalty to God. It's a firm belief, even in, even in the absence of proof. It is something that is believed, especially with a strong conviction. And dictionary.com says faithfulness is a lasting loyalty and trustworthiness in relationships, especially in marriage and in friendships. Faithfulness is the fact or quality of being true to one's commitments as to what one has pledged to do or professes to believe, etc. So this morning, as we look at the faithfulness of God, I want, to, I, want to, I want to illustrate God's faithfulness and the faithfulness of some one of our spiritual giants in the Bible. So God demonstrated his faithfulness to Abraham throughout his life and the lives of his descendants. And the story can be read in its entirety in Genesis. So in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, it reads, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, that's quite a mouthful for one man. I mean, that, that, that's, that's so many promises, so much to unpack in that, that we would not even, be, we wouldn't even have the time to get into all of that. But as an overview, God demonstrated his faithfulness to Abraham as he promised throughout history and the generations. There are many things, many circumstances that happened on the way, many things that many, many, many experiences Abraham had. Uh, he, he had, he made many choices and God was still faithful through, 
throughout the choices, even when Abraham went ahead and, and, and made those choices, right? Thinking that he was, he was being helpful somehow, or, you know, he, he knew. And so some of those choices and situations that God remained faithful to Abraham through was his decision to have a child with his maid, Hagar. God saw him through the barrenness of his wife, Sarah, and the eventual birth of his son, Isaac, when he was a hundred years old and Sarah was past, way past childbearing years, way past her childbearing age. Through, the, through his descendants, God fulfilled all the promises he made in spite of all the, all the choices and all the detours along the way. As we, as we uh, continue to look into Abraham's life, God asked him to sacrifice his only son. This is the son through whom the promise was going to be realized. Remember, God told him that he was going to bless him and all the, all the families of the earth will be blessed through him. And here it is, God's asking him to sacrifice his son. Shockingly to me, Abraham responded in obedience believing that this son, this promise that God gave him, this vehicle through which God's promise would be realized, he believed that if God acts, then God must, must have a way of fulfilling his promise, right? Because at this point, he'd had a track record with God. He'd seen that God was faithful, that God, sorry, that God was faithful and true to his word. At, at his act of obedience in, you know, preparing to give his son up, God reiterated his promise when God realized he was tested, tried, found to be faithful. In Genesis 22, 15 to 18, God reiterated his promise. God remained faithful to his promise to Abraham through Isaac, through his descendants and through Isaac, who fathered Jacob, who fathered Judah and so on, according to, and eventually Jesus, according, we see um, that lineage all the way down to, um, down to Jesus in Matthew chapter one. So through that lineage and genealogy of the tribes of Israel and the eventual birth of Jesus, we can see the faithfulness of Abraham to God believing in the changing and the changing challenging circumstances of life the highs the lows you know leaving everything he knew experiencing war had disagreements sorrow he's abraham still demonstrated his faithfulness he acknowledged god's mercy god's sovereignty god's divinity and his intervention by his obedience and his response to God's request. Now, looking at all, I mean, if we've all read the Bible. I know many of us here have been Christians for a very long time. So looking at the account of Abraham's life, you might ask, well, or you might think that was good for Abraham and the people of old. Now, why do I need to be faithful? What benefits? is faithfulness, what benefits does it bestow upon my life in my time? I mean, there, there are many of us, and I know, I will speak for myself, that I've had 
some some or all of these thoughts at, at one point or the other. You know, we say, I don't need to ask God to protect me. I could get a home security system. I could check the weather to make sure that I'm, I'm not going out in bad weather. I use navigation to, to tell me if there's traffic and where's the best way to go. I trust the bank to put my, to hold my money and my investments. I have a pension and I trust that that money is going to grow and appreciate. And that's my provision for my old age. I have a job. It's always going to be there. I trust and hope that my bosses will appreciate me, that they'll promote me. I trust medicine, modern medicine for my health and my healing. You know, I take, I could take spa days or holidays or vacations for my mental health. So as this world has advanced, there's so many ways, so many ways that we, we could find ourselves being unfaithful. There's so many ways that we could, we could, we could find ourselves thinking these thoughts that there are not too many uncertainties that we, we can foresee, you know, and whatever, whatever comes our way, we can prepare for it. Whether we're conscious, it, conscious of it or not, many of us have these thoughts or conversations with ourselves or worse, others. We many times unconsciously apply this reasoning in some areas of our lives. And in light of this, in light of that, the question is asked, why should we have faith? Why, sh why, why should we be faithful? Why faith? And in Hebrews 11, verse 6, the scripture says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anybody who, who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. And this faith is defined in verse one as the confidence that we have. It's the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about things that we can't see. So these two scriptures, they both define and answer why we need to have faith. It is an act of faith to believe in the existence of God because we must first believe that he exists. We've never seen him. We don't know what he looks like, but we have to believe that he exists. So first we believe that God exists despite not seeing him. And then we desire to please him. And that also is an act of faith because the scripture says again, remember, it is impossible to please God without faith. Not only must we have faith, but we need to grow in our faith or be faithful. And the scriptures admonish believers who are not growing in their faith. Hebrews 5, 12 and 13 says, for by this time you ought to be teachers. You, for this, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. So what happens if we don't believe? Let's take a moment and, you know, walk through 
scenario. What happens if you don't believe? Imagine a child goes to their parent asking for permission to go to a party, believing that the parent, not believing that the parent is going to give permission. Well, there are a number of scenarios that could play out. So possibly the child is prepared to receive a negative answer. So that child is not prepared to go to the party. They don't know what they're going to wear. They don't know how they're going to get there. They're just not prepared. Worse yet, imagine if this child does not ask, thinking that the parent is going to say no. And this child decides, well, I'm not going to ask because they're going to say no. So. Let me sneak out. Let me make plans with my friends. And I'm going to go. The outcome of such an action could be disastrous. There are many, many, many things that could happen. They could accept a ride from irresponsible friends, exposing them to accidents. They could end up being at a party where they're uncomfortable with what's happening and being afraid that they're gonna be punished. They also don't call, don't reach out to their parents or some responsible adult to pick them up. They may end up drugged, raped, raping, being enticed to go along with the crowd, participating in violence against another person, and the list is endless. Now imagine just that one decision, that one act could change the trajectory of that, that child's life forever. It may even end the child's life, you know? Similarly, if we don't have faith in God, we will not trust him with our lives and our decisions. We will be like the kids that end up dying because then they went to the party with their friends their friends drank, they operated the motor vehicle, got in an accident, and that was, that was the end of that child's life. Such behavior demonstrates faithlessness and unfaithfulness. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 6 to 11, it says, During the reign of King Joash, the Lord said to me, Have you seen what faithless Israel has done? She has gone up on every high hill and under every spreading tree and has committed adultery there. I thought that after she had done all this, she would return to me, but she did not. And her unfaithful sister Judah saw it. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of her adulteries. Yet, I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear and she went out and committed adultery. Because Israel's immorality mattered so little to her, she defiled the land and committed adultery with stone and wood. In spite of all this, her unfaithful Judah did not return to me with all her heart, only in pretense declares the Lord. The Lord said to me, faithless Israel is more righteous than unfaithful Judah. 
So Judah was unfaithful. She, Judah was willful because having seen what Israel did and the demise of Israel, they continued. It, the demise of Israel did not prove to be a warning for Judah. Judah turned her back on God, spurning God, relinquished her faith in God, and instead turned to worship the false gods even after Israel's demise. She was disloyal and unrepentant in the face of her sins. She pretended to repent instead of truly repenting. She made an act of repenting instead of truly repenting. And she chose not, not you know, that was, un, she was unwilling. She was willful. She chose not to turn around, chose not to, not to see and not to, not to make a determination about her behavior based on the downfall of, of Israel. Well, faithless Israel did the same thing, right? But faithless, faithless Israel went ahead. They didn't have the example of Judah to go on. So God exhorted Israel, come back, turn back to me, admit your guilt. Admit your guilt and your faithful, faithlessness. And their, Israel's behavior, it was treacherous and disloyal. So we see God's great faithfulness to Abraham and to us if we examine our own lives. We, we saw Abraham's faithful response to God. And we see faithless Israel and unfaithful Judah. And we think, well, that's all well and good. But how about now? How about us? Well, if we look amongst ourselves and in our communities, we too can see examples of great faith. Okay. This, we, we have all heard the story of our pastor's grandmother and her faithfulness. She believed God. She expected that God would do what he said he would do. So pastor's grandmother would not have any food for dinner, put the pot on with water, boil this water. Sometimes the water boiled all, boiled, you know, the, the pot boiled low. And she would have to refill the water, exercising just a little bit more faith, extend, stretching her faith just a little bit more. But God would always provide. Not only that, God provided the best. As, as Pastor said, they lived in a fishing village. And when they got fish, they got the choice fish. It was snapper on a line. So much so that her daughter could say she never ate sprat until she was an adult and left her mother's house. What a God. <laughs> From a fishing village and never ate sprat. Had no need to eat sprat because what she got was so much better than sprat. She got the choice fish. So. Now that we've seen and heard about God's faithfulness demonstrated through, the, through history and through generations, we've seen the faithful response of 
his people in this time and times of old, we understand the need to be faithful in our Christian journey. We understand the necessity. But how? How do we grow our faith? Well, the one thing, the first thing I want us to understand is that we bear the responsibility for our spiritual growth. It's not passive. It's not going to happen by magic. We are responsible for spiritual growth. We need to seek environments and people who will help us with tools and support us, provide us opportunities where we can, we can grow spiritually. We also ask God to provide the resources and the people that we need to help us. We ask for this, the, the, the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we make ourselves available to God because we have to be willing, we have to be available, we have to participate. Again, it's not magic. It's not going to, it's not an abracadabra kind of moment. Romans 10, 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. The King James Version says, that faith cometh by hearing, excuse me, and hearing by the word of God. We need to be intentional about our prayer life. We need to pray. We develop and we strengthen our relationship with God through prayer. Prayer is a conversation between God and the believer where it is of paramount importance that we listen because God knows everything about us. He knows our heart. The scripture says he knows our thoughts even before we're finished forming our thoughts. He knows them. We don't know his thoughts. So if he knows our thoughts and we're going to have a conversation with him, it's imperative that we listen. So through prayer, God reveals his heart to us. New believers may want to establish a routine to make prayer easier, a specific time, a specific place. Romans 12 and verse 12 reminds us to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. In addition to praying, we also need to acquaint ourselves with the word of God. How are we going to know, as Tashina said, there are certain character traits that God has. How will we know? How would we know if we don't read his word? How are we going to find out? How are we going to gain that, that knowledge, that intimacy with God? We have to read the word. As Paul tells us in Romans, faith comes from hearing and the message, the, the message is heard through the word about Christ. In reading the Bible, we get an account of the track record of others. We learn that God can't lie, that he will do what he says he will do. And we will also become familiar with the things that he says. We will become familiar with the promises that he's made to us. And we will understand and be hopefully believe the things that he says about us and his requirements for us. So after we've 
prayed and read the word, we need to be obedient. We need to be obedient to the voice of God. When we obey God's voice, even when it seems far-fetched, it makes no logical sense. We grow in our faith because we don't know. We don't understand. God does not give us a blueprint. He's not, you know, in life, we want a blueprint. We want certainty. In this society, in this time, everything is systematic and organized. You need, you know, the next step. If I go to work, I know my day starts this way. At this time, I do this. The next task is that task. The next and the next and so on. And I think we're programmed. All of, well, I know in this society, we're programmed to expect the next. We're programmed to expect a full program. We're programmed to expect the day to go a particular way, the week to go a particular way. At a certain time, certain things happen. God is not going to do that. If he told us how it would go, we would need to exercise our faith. We would need to trust him and depend on him. It is not, tr it is not faith when you know. <laughs> it is not. When you know it's predictable, you're told there is a plan. So such a, such a review, obedience lead us to seeing the results and to establish our track record with God, a track record that we can review. Such review build our faith because we see where we've come from. We see where we're at. It builds and it renews our faith and it enables us to respond quicker and more enthusiastically the next time he asks us to do something that makes no sense to us or that's weird to us. If you're a person that likes to write, journaling can also be of help because again, it helps to establish that track record. And you could always go back and see where he's answered prayers, remind yourself of promises he's made and also the promises that he's fulfilled. And I'm going to be very shameless. The next thing we could do is join a church like New Life Horizon Church that's invested in you, in each and every person. But join a church where there's support and there's investment. There is, there is a focus on building your spiritual growth in developing you spiritually and helping you to grow in your relationship with God. Listen, somebody said to me once, God is the original, no child left behind. He's the original no child left behind. You put yourself in an environment where there's support. You find that it doesn't matter how slowly you move, you're not going to get left behind. So make sure that there is a place where there are people who support you and are invested in you. Pray and ask God for mature believers to mentor and guide you on the path of spiritual growth and faithfulness. Now you ask, after all of that, I've done all of these things. I believe, I hear the word and I believe and I want to please God and I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to live a life of faith. How do I remain faithful? I'm growing, I've prayed, I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm journaling, I'm, I'm reading my Bible, I'm obedient to God. How do we, how do we stay faithful? In Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, it says, 
Therefore, we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Isn't that amazing? Jesus came and paved the way. And keeping our eyes on him, we will think of all the hostility he endured. And that will encourage us not to become weary and give up. Now understand that on this Christian journey, adversity will come and be, so that you can be prepared for it. James said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The scripture says when you face trials, not if you face trials. So buckle up. The trials will come. Seek and have communion with the Holy Spirit who leads and empowers through all situations. It is the Holy Spirit that strengthens us beyond our human ability that makes intercession for us and fights our battles. We should, as the scripture admonish, seek to be continually filled with the Spirit. Developing an intimacy with God through spiritual disciplines such as prayer and meditation. The more time that we spend with God, the better prepared we are for the battles. The clearer we hear from God, the easier it is to stay in his will. That prayer creates an intimacy with God that empowers us to act in his name and according to his will. Now, as we grow in our faith, we can anticipate the rewards because there is a reward. Whatever choice we make, there is the reward, good or bad. So faithfulness is a part of the fruit of the, script, uh, of the Spirit described in Galatians 5. And in Matthew 25, 21, it says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Wisdom and discernment are rewards of faithfulness. God grants us the wisdom to better deal with the difficulties of life. Faithful to God, faithfulness to God and a knowledge of the scriptures allow us to discern the forces that we're up against. Wisdom tells us when to be silent, when to sit, if we're to respond, and how we're to respond, and if we're to fight. And Galatians 6, 9 promises, it, 
or exhort us not to lose heart or grow weary and faint in acting nobly and doing right because in due time we will reap if we do not lose heart and relax our courage. We also experience, as we've seen through the examples of faith, God's provision. We're able to walk in his purpose for our lives when we're faithful. And our faithfulness encourages others to grow their faith. Where together we experience the faith of God in community. It is important to note here that we are writing our own stories with our choices. If any of the spiritual giants in the Bible had made different choices, we would not be speaking about them today or referencing their faithfulness. If Paul had chosen not to trust God and to be obedient and to, be, and to suffer and be persecuted, we would not have read the story and the accounts of his great faithfulness. If Abraham decided that he didn't want to leave, he was comfortable where he was. His would be a different story. We wouldn't be reading about him. Our faith grows over time as we repeatedly, we repeatedly trust God and step out into the unknown. To be faithful, we have to demonstrate faithfulness in our in our walk with God and only through a trust, obedience, intimacy, and a reliance on the Holy Spirit will we strengthen our faith. We get God, oh sorry. We get guidance and direction from the Holy Spirit because in life, we can't see what's coming next. We don't know where to go and we can't see around the corner. So our faithfulness to God enables him to direct us, to lead us into paths unknown and to prepare us for what is to come. Now, I want to ask, have we looked at our, our, our lives? Are there areas in our lives where we, we generally are faithful, but are there any areas in your life where you've decided, eh, not really important, or it's too small, or, you know, I don't need to worry, don't need to worry about that. In light of the exhortations from the scripture and the examples of faith, are there areas in our lives where we're not being faithful? If so, as God exhorted in the scriptures, all we need to do is confess, is turn around, or acts of faithlessness are not final. We have the decision, we have the choice. We can choose to commit our faithlessness to God and ask for his direction. He said that if faithless Israel repented, that he would take her back. He would forgive her of her sins. So let us, let us examine our own lives in light of the examples we've seen of faithfulness, faithlessness, and unfaithfulness, and ensure that we're walking in faithfulness to God. Thank you.